We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Bijan Robinson was either suspended or sick. We don't know what officially. Uh, Deonta Foreman was a weak winner, and we had a lot of surprising carnage in Survivor this week. All that and more in Nick and I's recap of Week 7 of the NFL here on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen as we break down the week that was for week seven. Our podcast is always brought to you by the folks from Circa Casino and Sportsbook. Always happy to have them aboard. Nick Whalen, how was your weekend? Uh, there was some good and some bad. You know, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. Uh, never going to complain about a weekend that kicks off with a Jaguars victory in primetime. Yes. Four wins in 19 days. For the Jags as they just continue to cruise through this gauntlet of a schedule. Uh, they got the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road next week. Uh, and then that will take them into their week nine bye. So hopefully they can make it five in a row. But feel good about the Jags. Played some golf on Friday. Played some golf on Saturday. So no complaints there. But man, Jeff, we, we had some carnage uh, in the circuit contest. Um, you know, and just my, my general picks. For the week, you know, it's, it's been a, a rough season in some ways, but felt like I was building some momentum. You know, we, we'd had like three or four weeks in a row in Circa where we were three and two and uh, you know, felt like we were moving in the right direction. But uh, we, we've talked a lot on, on this show and on the radio about you know the public this year is, you know, at least had been hitting uh, at a well above average rate compared to years past. Mm-hmm. That all came back around. I think in the, the early window yesterday, uh, the public was like one in seven or one in eight. ATS. Obviously, we had a couple big favorites go down. Uh, you know, I personally thought the Raiders were going to be a lot more competitive against the Bears. I personally did not think the Cleveland Browns were going to give up 38 points to Gardner right. Minshew and the Indianapolis Colts. Um, so it was, it was a, a fun week. You know, like John and I said on the pod last week, we're like, this is a week to just take off. You know, if you're, if you're a sports better, maybe just you know pull back a little bit, sit back, relax, watch objectively. There's going to be carnage, uh, and boy, was there. So looking forward to breaking it down. Yeah, I think I'm going to relinquish my tie for the lead in staff picks. I only have five correct answers so far. So uh, we'll see pending the Monday night game. Uh, let's just jump right off the top. Uh, the big carnage of the week has to be B. John Robinson. Uh, you know, from a fantasy perspective, we're watching this Atlanta game, uh, Atlanta-Tampa Bay game, and thrilling as it was, it was not uh, one that we were, uh, you know, it was one that's causing a lot of angst because like, where's Bijan? Where's Bijan? 
No snaps at all in the first quarter. Gets one snap in the first half, doesn't touch the ball. Not a word until like coming out of like halftime, you hear Christina Pink say to Arthur, talk with Arthur Smith, and Arthur Smith said something to the effect that, uh, oh, he's not feeling well, so he's probably not going to go back down there. Isn't that like that's supposed to be like disclosed, isn't it? It's certainly supposed to be disclosed. Uh, and you know, I saw some sports books. I know DraftKings, you know, did refunds on you know Bijan Robinson prop bets yesterday, depending on when those were submitted. Um, I mean, this this came as a, a complete surprise, right? And mm-hmm. I, I don't think anybody had been given any indication. And you know, because it's the Atlanta Falcons, and we're always just inherently skeptical of, of Arthur Smith and this team anyway. You know, it, it turned into you know it was kind of like a, a witch hunt. It felt like on Twitter, you know, throughout that first quarter, where it's just like more and more people are like, "What is going on here? What is going on here? Like th- this is malpractice." Yeah. How is Bijan Robinson not in the game? You know, I Bijan Robinson himself said he was dealing with a headache. Said he woke up and was just feeling weird, was feeling out of it. Uh, so I, I don't necessarily think there's anything nefarious going on here. You know, there was some speculation that he was like, you know, suspended or disciplined or something, but. Um, you know, it's not like he didn't play in the first quarter and then came back and played 40 snaps the rest of the way. Like there was not a clear line of demarcation. Like they would kind of throw him out there for a player or two, pull him back. Um, and then, you know, as the game went along that, that completely faded away. So, uh, you know, I mean, obviously if you played him in fantasy, which if he's on your team, you almost certainly started him in this matchup, you got completely burned. Uh, there was really no way to prepare for it and, um, you know, direct your vitriol at, at, uh, Arthur Smith at the Falcons, not at us. Yeah. Uh, 10 snaps, one carry, like. Why do you get that carry in the fourth quarter? Like, I it just, I, there's no way to spin this that it looks good. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. They won despite that, despite a red zone comedy of errors. Uh, just, you know, uh, you know, the, the fumble off the snap after the super long delay uh, by, by Ritter at the goal line there. That was, that was just ridiculous. They couldn't convert in the red zone yet. They still pulled it out. Still got the the go ahead uh, kick uh, field goal by uh, Young Young Ho Young Hui Ku. Talking with Liz all these years, that's right. call him Young Ho, but it's Young Hui. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. List List is pretty hard on the that the Young Ho, as I would imagine. But I, yeah, Young Way. That's why I've always said it. Yes, that's, um, that's the correct way of saying it. Yeah, yeah. Ugly game though for the Falcons. I mean, they. I want to say they had no business winning it, but it's not like the Bucks really played all that much better. No, uh, you know, Falcons. Falcons were one in five or one of five in the red zone. Uh, the Bucks only had two red zone possessions in this game, though. Uh, they've only had four red zone possessions in the last two games, uh, if you take into account last week against Detroit. So this offense has been completely toothless. And you know, the running game. This, this is you know the, the line in basically every single game for the Buccaneers, like Rashad White, thirteen for thirty-four. And, you know, had it not been for Baker Mayfield getting loose on a couple of scrambles, you know, this would have been another like 2.3 yard per carry day for yeah. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who just cannot run the ball whatsoever. I mean, it's the Bucs and the Raiders. Those are like by far the two worst rushing teams in the league right now. And you know, as we talk about every week, Jeff, that, that just puts a lot on Baker Mayfield, you know, and he's not necessarily the type of quarterback, but you could just say like, all right, they know we're going to pass it 80% of the way, go win this game for us. Uh, but you, you're just asking too much of, of a limited player in Mayfield, who went 27 to 42, did have a touchdown to Mike, mm-hmm. but threw an interception as well. Uh, you mentioned Ritter. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how they won this game, man. I mean, it's just just ridiculous. He, I, I looked this up. I did some some deep statistical analysis on on Football Reference this morning. He is the first player to lose three fumbles in a win since Kyle Allen uh, did it. The the great Kyle Allen as a member yes. of the Carolina Panthers in 2019, uh, and it's those are the only two times that a quarterback has fumbled and lost three fumbles in a win since 2010. I mean, it's, it's one, it's exceptionally unlikely that you're going to lose three fumbles in any game. It's you know wildly unlikely that you're going to lose three fumbles and actually win that game. Right. Twice at, twice at the goal line. 
too. It's just unbelievable. Um, the first, you know, that, that one of those fumbles they thought was actually going to be a touchdown turned out to be a fumble instead. He could have had two rushing touchdowns on the day, despite all of his uh, foibles, if yeah. you will. Uh, that Bucks offensive line, you know, you're referring to Rashad White. It's not a Rashad White problem. It's a no. offensive line problem. Keyshawn Vaughn was four for seven. Sean Tucker's got chances previously. It hasn't been any better. I, I don't think Rashad White's a special back or anything. And in fact, though, he's a pretty decent pass catcher, six for 65 there. So he didn't kill you as a fantasy back there, but still, they just, they just cannot run the ball at all. No, they, they can't run it. And, you know, they, like I said, they, they try it for the first couple series of the game, nothing happens. And then they kind of have to resort to just, all right, Baker Mayfield, go, go win this game for us. And more often than not uh, against, you know, average to above average teams, that's just not going to work out for you. Um, you know, it, we, we can make fun of Desert Ritter all we want, and I would like to continue doing that because I don't think he's very good. <laughs> but for the second time in three weeks, Jeff, he, he goes down and it leads a scoring drive to win the game. It was eerily similar uh, to what we saw against Houston a couple of weeks ago. That was a, a more methodical, longer drive. They had more time on the clock. But, uh, you know, after the Buccaneers tied this game up 45 seconds, you know, you're thinking, all right, we're probably heading to overtime here. Rips off a couple of big plays to Kyle Pitts. And all of a sudden, they're in field goal range, and, and Koo hits the 51-yarder as time expires. So it was a, a disastrous, comedic game in a lot of ways for Ritter, but that's two game-winning drives, I suppose, in the last three weeks. Yeah, uh, that's the thing is they're not going to – we're not going to be uh, – you're not going to be getting rid of, of of Ritter because of that there because they're winning. They're 4-3. and three. They are the yeah. Steelers of the NFC. They're improbably uh, ahead of, you know, above 500 winning games. Despite, you know, looking bad. Actually, in fairness, the Steelers actually looked decent yesterday, but we'll get to them. But man, they're winning games that they don't they really shouldn't be winning. So even though there are calls for like Taylor Tyler Haneke, uh, you know, especially if you're a Pitts uh manager, it's not gonna happen. It's it's just not gonna happen. I, I mean, I, I think Ritter has played poorly enough that they should at least consider it. But yeah. you know, again, like you said, they're they're winning games. They're in first place in the NFC South, uh, America's division right now. So I, I don't think you're going to make that change until your hand is, is absolutely forced. And, you know, based on, you know, Carolina's already out of it. Uh, Tampa Bay's lost yep. three out of four. New Orleans, you know, is getting booed in the first quarter at home against the Jags on Thursday night. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know that a situation is going to arise where the Falcons lose enough games consecutively. You're probably going to lose two, three in a row before you start having the Heineke conversation. You know, they're, they're at Tennessee next week. That's likely going to be Malik Willis. They get the Vikings at home after that. And then the Cardinals, and then the Saints, and then the Jets, and then the Bucks, and then the Panthers. I mean, it's like they have the, the easiest remaining schedule in the NFL. Like, I, I don't see a you know a three or four week span here where you could see Desmond Ritter really struggling and, and that conversation popping back up. So I think, for better or for worse, he's going to be the guy. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Boy, the way Atlanta versus Tennessee, Woo, can't wait to see that one there. That that is just going to be a super fun game. <sighs> Uh, I, the Titans are a tough watch right now, and they were they were off this week, so thankfully we don't have to talk about them. I, I'm looking right now, Jeff. the The look ahead total there is 36 and a half. All right. Goodness. Yeah. Um. By the way, yeah. Uh, by the way, we do have some news. I'm going to go ahead and jump ahead on this one. Sure. This will be our next game. Justin Fields is doubtful for the Chargers yep. game. Um. Yeah. So let's go ahead and talk little Bears versus Raiders here. Uh, by the way, Bucks. Oh, about a hundred people used the Bucks in uh, Survivor Circus Survivor because uh, they're just trying to desperately trying to find a pivot away from the the, the Seattle Seahawks. Obviously, it didn't work out very well. So, another team that some people use, bless their hearts, some people use the Raiders against the Bears on the road in Survivor. That did not also work out very well. 
surprisingly a not competitive non-competitive game and i say surprisingly because the bears had tyson bajant starting and bajant's okay He, he was a game manager yesterday but the raiders were just just laughable yeah, I mean, you got to you got to give it uh, give it to Beijing. He got the game ball after the game, his first NFL victory. Uh, but he, he completed 21 passes for 162 yards. I mean, this was not necessarily you know Tyson Beijing uh, putting the Bears on his back and right. leading them to this win. If anything, it was the running game that piled up you know almost 175 yards uh, on this Raiders defense, which just continues to continues to struggle. Uh, I, I thought Max Crosby would, would make a bigger impact in this game. Uh, Raiders only had two sacks on the day. One of those came very late uh, on Nathan Peterman. Uh, but it, it really was the Raiders just not showing up here. I, I, I would, I would not have used the Raiders in survivor. Um, you know, we don't like to admit this, but we did use them in circa. I, I thought this would be a really good spot, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for a more experienced quarterback in Brian Hoyer, just to kind of get this thing across the finish line. And certainly we're not expecting the Raiders to cruise here, but um, yeah, I, I would take the experience of Brian Hoyer over the inexperience of a D2 quarterback in Tyson Bajan. But, man, Hoyer was a, a disaster. He threw two picks. We saw Aiden O'Connell in the second half. He threw another pick. Uh, there was a, a pick six that basically ended it. Uh, and then they th- threw another interception on the next possession. But it was just – you knew from the jump. It's, the, the Raiders on their first drive, you know, they, they force a three and out from the Bears. You're feeling okay. They drive down. And Dan Carlson, you know, misses a 41-yard field goal. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, Carlson has become one of the better kickers in the NFL. And that, to me, you know, you're outside at Soldier Field. It's not it's not the comfort of the Dome in Vegas. But, uh, you know, once he missed that and then the Bears, you know, put together a long, methodical touchdown drive, you kind of got the feeling that the Raiders were going to be in trouble. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, yeah, it, they, they just couldn't get untracked after that offensively either. I mean, Josh Jacobs, 11 for 35. We need to talk a little bit more about how we, we spent a lot of time talking about how bad the Tampa running game is the Raiders. I mean, they got such mileage out of Jacobs last year and they're just not getting it on the ground ever. I don't think it's a Jacobs issue though. Again, I think this is a, a just one of the really bad offensive lines in football. You know, it's interesting because they, they don't grade out that badly at PFF. Not that that's the, the end all be all, but I, I yeah. don't, yeah, I don't watch Josh Jacobs either and think that he looks slow or that he you know looks like AJ Dillon and he's just running into the back of his lineman or anything like that. Like I, I, it's tough to kind of deduce exactly what's going on there, but you know, the lack of you know, even like one explosive week from Josh Jacobs is uh, appalling. And if you, if you can't move the ball on the ground against the Chicago bears, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, it's this, this was as, really as bad as it could be for the Raiders. And then of course it, it kind of turned into a passing script uh, once they fell behind multiple scores and, and, you know, Josh Jacobs didn't do a whole lot uh in the in the second half i mean 39 rushing yards as a team for the raiders 2.8 yards per carry on the ground um you know, hard to find a ton of positives here on the raider side you know michael Mayer didn't do a whole lot only had two catches for 13 yards on four targets but his snap count continues to rise um, yeah. so if you're looking for kind of a bigger picture takeaway i think he's somebody you know to take a look at in some deeper leagues or if you're looking to add some tight end depth uh bears were eight of 13 on third down uh, in this game. And, you know, a, a lot of their first downs came via the run. I mean, they were just riding, uh, you know, uh, Deontay Foreman, who is fantastic, was a league winner this week, two rushing touchdowns, a receiving touchdown as well. Uh, he was actually outsnapped by Darrington Evans, but but Foreman was the guy uh, obviously doing the yeah. fantasy work. And then a lot of those snaps for Evans came late. You yeah. know, this, this game was 30 to six and both backup quarterbacks were in the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, so it was kind of one of those where, yeah, Evans still got early snaps. Don't get me wrong. Uh, this is two weeks running that he's had double digit touches. Uh, I Roshan Johnson still on the concussion protocol. He's missed two games. Now he's been out two and a half weeks. Uh, 
three, yeah, almost, you know, because they he got hurt on that Thursday night game, so he had a week and a half, and that wasn't good enough. Then he missed another yeah. full week. Um, yeah, sometimes these sometimes concussions can take a long time, but even when Johnson returns, I mean, I think Foreman has a seat at the table now. I mean, I don't think this is a, another genie bottle situation here. Yeah, and I mean, we've we've seen Deontay Foreman do this a couple other times in his career at his his various stops. I think he's played for like six or seven teams now. I mean, he looked great. Uh, over the second half last year in Carolina. And I, I think it took him a while to maybe realize what they have here. But uh, I, I think he absolutely has to be a part of the game plan. We'll see on Roshan Johnson, like you said, could be back next week. Khalil Herbert going to miss at least two more games. So I, I think you have you got a nice probably two or three week window here where you feel OK throwing De- uh, Deontay Foreman out there. Exactly. Tyson Bajan almost certainly going to start. Guess what, Nick? We get a primetime game with the Chicago Bears this week at the Chargers on Sunday night. Just oh, soak man. it in. You're just like uh, I don't even I don't even know what to do with the Chargers anymore, man. We'll we'll t- we'll talk about that game later, but we're gonna watch it. We're gonna watch it. I will I will never not watch football, but uh, yeah. I, I don't know that we need to see the Bears in prime time. Spoiler alert: the Chargers will probably be my survivor pick this week. A full slated games, by the way, too. But yes. uh, you know, some of the other teams that I like to pick on, I, I they're they're playing each other. So that kind of just takes away from wanting to use them in Survivor. So we'll get to that. But let's move on to our next game. Uh, let's jump into probably the, you know, it was a really fun early window, you know, and one of the, I think the Epic game had to be the Browns and Colts. Yeah, Epic because it lasted forever. Uh, but, you know, so in the true sense, the definitional sense of Epic, it's true. But also in terms of just the results, I know Liss used, actually used them in Survivor and in, in a, a pool that I'm in with them together. He's not in Circa this year. But there's some team, team of destiny stuff here. You lose your starting quarterback early. He was terrible before that. We're talking about Deshaun Watson here. One for five with a pick and should have been two picks. Uh, and then got benched. He got medically cleared, but so, you know, checked for concussion. But then they said, oh, it's the shoulder too again. I mean, this is an ongoing issue. Every, there's a lot of good things going on in Cleveland right now, but the quarterback pro- position is a real problem. Yeah, and Watson looked awful before yeah. being removed. I mean, through one of the worst interceptions we've seen from any quarterback this season, uh, I was pretty surprised that he got cleared. I mean, he took a, a really hard hit, kind of one of those where uh, you roll backwards, you know, the back of his head slammed into the turf. I mean, he looked like he was seeing stars for a little bit there, but I was not surprised they didn't bring him back in. He just, he did not look comfortable whatsoever. Uh, you know, the interception was underthrown by like seven yards. It's just one of those, like, what are you doing, man? Type of plays. And it's, it's not like PJ Walker was a whole lot better, uh, but I think he was going to, to give them a higher floor, at least for the rest of this game uh, than what they had seen in a, in a limited sample from Deshaun Watson. But yeah, I think this now kind of sends us back to square one with Deshaun Watson. And we're going to be in limbo uh, as we start to look ahead to week eight. Uh, this was kind of the opposite of how I thought this game would play out. I, yeah. I, I thought the Browns would win. Uh, you and I both took them as our best bet. We had an opportunity to cover that if the Browns had converted the two-point conversion at the end of this game. I know we had it at two and a half in staff picks, so we'll, we'll take yeah. the L there. But I, never did I expect, you know, if you if you had told me the Cleveland Browns are going to put up 30, 39 points in this game, would you have ever said, oh, they probably won't cover? Yeah. Of course, if you would have told me that the Cleveland Browns were going to give up 38 points to the Colts, I said, "Oh my well, God!" You know, Watson must have done six picks and they would have lost. You know, the fact, you know, both things. It's like I can't believe they get, they gave up 38. I can't believe they scored 39 somehow. But they also had two defensive slash special team touchdowns. They had Miles Garrett was a you know that's the thing is like they gave up 38 points and yet Miles Garrett had an incredible game. You know, it's just this yeah, is it was- just a weird game. 
Gardner Mitchell had 15 completions for 305 yards. I mean, that's, the, that's kind of the one thing that Cleveland hasn't done this season is give up chunk plays. And, yeah. you know, Jonathan Taylor had a long catch and run, you know, 75-yard touchdown to Michael Pittman, a 59-yarder to Josh Downs, who had a huge day. Uh, you know, Alan Pierce had a couple of big plays as well. I mean, it was there's a lot of confusion in the Cleveland secondary. You know, a lot of guys just yeah. kind of running wide open across the field. And, and for the most part, Gardner Minshew did a good job of, uh, you know, of finding those players. Uh, we talked about Desmond Ritter losing three fumbles in this game. Gardner Minshew uh, did the same thing this week. Uh, obviously, the Colts were, were not able to come out on top. Uh, in terms of the rushing workload, I think that's probably the most interesting thing to dig in on, on the, the indie side. Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss, exact same number of snaps, exact same number of carries. Yeah. Some point you're going to go 60-30, 60-40, 65-35, but not yet. I mean, it's because Moss has been good. Now, he he wasn't as good yesterday, 18 for 57. Uh, but I mean, he, he breaks tackles. He's actually been, you know, he's he's earned that playing time. You know, the, the Colts' big plays were kind of fluky. Like, the Josh Downs was on a free play where it looked like the DB got confused and stopped. Uh, the Pittman 75-yard touchdown was just one there's two horrific tackle attempts and he broke it after that um and kudos to him and those these are things that happen but they're also not bankable they're not something that you could count on like repeating Mm -hmm. both from the Cole side and the brown side to be fair yeah i I think we're going to look back and you know the the browns defense might not have another game like this all year this was just just completely bizarre and and if you're cleveland you know you're you're happy to come away with a win especially with deshaun watson you know playing just a handful of snaps at the beginning of the game but um, yeah, really, really disappointing effort from this defense. You know, if you've been riding the Browns defense in fantasy, this is not what you're hoping for. Although, you know, the, the defensive scores uh, probably offset the points given up in most leagues. Uh, you know, we mentioned Josh Downs played 50 snaps in this game. It was you know, a lot of three receiver sets, Pierce, Pittman, yep. and Downs on the field. Didn't see a whole lot of anybody else. Isaiah McKenzie uh, played like eight or nine snaps, but that was about it. Uh, ran 25 routes, targeted on six of those, brought in five of those catches. Uh, you know, this will probably go down as his best week of the year. Uh, yep. You don't necessarily love the target share, but uh, again, it was not a high volume passing day for the Colts. And I think that's also part of the reason that we, we still saw a lot of Zach Moss in this game is, you know, I mean, the Colts ran the ball 40 times as a team, like, you know, 36 times between Taylor and Moss. You're not going to give Jonathan Taylor 30 plus carries. So I think when you're, when you're just naturally running the ball as much as they were, uh, you're, you're going to have to mix somebody else in. And you contrast that to last week against Jacksonville, regarding Mitchell threw the ball 50 plus times. Uh, we saw a completely different script here. Yeah, uh, that's right. I mean, this, there were so many improbable things happening in this game. Two terrible penalties, I think, in my opinion, on Cleveland's game-winning drive. And then just and then Kareem Hunt barely, barely, barely getting to the line on fourth down, too. Jerome Ford got hurt in this game. Uh, he was running really well. I mean, 69 yards on one of those carries. Uh, he got hurt on a fourth down carry where he went way backwards, kind of bobbled the the toss. And, you know, that that I think that's the play he got hurt on, if I recall correctly. Yep. Uh but, you know, that got, that led to Pierre Strong getting snaps in the fourth quarter because they wanted to preserve Hunt, who was a game-time decision of his own right. coming into this game. Uh, just so many just so many improbable things happening here. Just the Colts even calling for a pass play on the defensive touchdown right before halftime. Yep. Why? Why? It's just, it just improbable. The blocking on that was as bad as the Max Crosby safety, safety the week before for the Pats. Maybe even worse. The the Colts uh, right turnstile, I mean right tackle, just let just let Garrett go. Um, and of course, Minshew got crushed on that play. But there, th- that should not have been a, a situation that happened. That was like you have one job is to make sure that particular thing doesn't happen. Maybe it's because they got the punt blocked earlier. 
that maybe that's why they're like, oh, well, we can't afford to punt out of our own end zone. So we got to throw and try to get a first down. I mean, I guess that's maybe that's yeah. what the process that led to that. But wow, what a horrific result. Yeah, to not block Miles Garrett of all people. Uh, bold yeah. strategy, we'll say, yes. by, the, by the Indianapolis Colts. And um, yeah, just a, a really fun game. I, I know you do a lot of rewatches each week. Like I highly recommend checking this one out. I mean, there were, I think there were five touchdowns in this game that came on drives of six plays or fewer. Yeah. Uh, like if you're watching Red Zone, it was just like every five minutes, they're cutting to another long touchdown for one team or the other. I mean, you just look at the the total number of drives. I think there were like 14 drives in the second half alone, uh, just because of how many turnovers there were, how many quick quick scores there were, flipping of the field. Uh, I mean, this was this was as back and forth and, and competitive of a game throughout uh, as it gets. You know, Cleveland at one point did go up nine with a field goal uh, early in the third quarter, and you, you felt like at that point, all right, if they can get a stop here and even just put another three points on the board, like, all right, this, this, the defense should be able to settle in and, and take care of this, but uh, just when just when it felt like Cleveland would gain control or even the Colts would gain control, uh, something wild would happen and, and the game would just swing back the other way. So uh, if you're the Browns, you're, again, you're, you're happy to get out with a victory. You're sitting at four and two. Uh, maybe you're not feeling great uh, about your short term outlook with Deshaun Watson. Uh, but what will be interesting to see next week. They are on the road at the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, I thought they were at Arizona for some reason. Is that maybe in two weeks? But uh... yeah, they're Arizona in two weeks. Okay. That's it. That's, I was just, le- I was looking too far ahead. Um, so yeah, that's, that's not an easy setup there for them and th- their passing game wasn't clicking in this one here. So, uh, that's maybe a small point of concern. Uh, Cooper only two catches. Uh, they just PJ Walker wasn't connecting with them and certainly Deshaun wasn't, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So the quarterback situation is just going to be a big mess there. So we'll see about that. Um, all right, let's move on to the next game. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens, this was so, Ravens Lions was the game. I was like, okay, I can't wait in the early window. I was like, okay, I'm really looking forward to this game. Two really good teams, two, two teams coming in, you know, pretty strong. And this was just a utter wipeout. I mean, and the Ravens just, I mean, they just blitzed them offensively. This was, this is the monk in offense there that everybody was looking yes. forward to. And it actually worked. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. This kind of felt like the first time that we saw a somewhat new version uh, of the Baltimore Ravens this season. And, you know, they kind of had to revert back to a lot of their their past tendencies, which have given them a very high floor and worked really well over the last few years. But, uh, you know, the, the, the scheming offensively, I mean, the, the amount of wide open receivers down the field, especially early in this game, oh. uh, you know, Lamar Jackson had, what, I think like six different completions uh, of 20 plus yards. Like, that's just not something that's really been a part of the Ravens offense this season. You know, kind of a several complete breakdowns. Uh, by the Detroit Lions. I mean, this was this was about as thorough of a beatdown as we've seen by any team this season. You know, obviously, you know, Dolphins, Broncos, and you, you think back to that that Bills, uh, you know, Bills Raiders game in Week Two. But I mean, this was this was basically over by the end of the first quarter. Baltimore five touchdowns in six red zone opportunities, fifty five percent success rate on third and fourth downs. Uh, that's really really good uh, when you're just isolating one game. Uh, still was a, an okay fantasy day for Detroit, as, as disastrous as this game went. I mean, Jameer Gibbs. He got the workload, you know, got like 90% of the snaps over Craig Reynolds at running back. He goes 11 of 68 for a touchdown on the ground, had nine catches for 58 through the air. So that, that was kind of the, the one minor takeaway. You know, Amon Rossi Brown with a pass-heavy script, 13 catches for over 100 yards on 19 targets. Sam Laporta uh, fighting through that calf injury, had a decent day as well. But, um, you know, really a, a kind of a, a statement win, uh, I feel like, by Baltimore and you know, with Detroit, I, I don't think this necessarily changes anything. You know, tough stretch of schedule going on the road two weeks in a row with, with these kind of trappy type of games after taking care of the Buccaneers last week. But, uh, you know, they, they've been so bulletproof in these situations. Like I was, you know, I, I kind of split my, 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 my picks here this week uh, between, you know, on this game. Like I went low on the Ravens in my pick league. I think I went with Detroit 
in staff picks and they, they hadn't really given us much reason to doubt them coming into this game, but um, you know, just a, the, the first no show in a long time by the lions. Yeah. And it was, I, I think this is also just a throwaway game when you're evaluating the lions. I don't think this is one of those. Okay. Yeah. There you got to expose. They were playing beaten weak teams. No, they have some good wins. Um, and their two losses are Seattle and uh, in overtime and then at the Ravens when the yeah. Ravens were at the peak of their powers. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think there's too many grand conclusions here. Uh, like Gus Edwards, I think he doubled his career receiving yards with one catch where they just kind of forgot about him. Yeah. Um, rambled for 80 yards. That was that was a wild play. You know, I have a league where uh, I, I, a league on sleeper where I own both. Lamar Jackson and uh, Mark uh, Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews Um, and on sleeper, I get notifications whenever there's a big play 20 plus yards. Yeah. My phone was just going off the hook with that game. Yeah. I was just constantly and I'd get the doubles because it was like Jackson to Andrews. So I'd get Mark Andrews made a big play. Lamar Jackson made a big play, (laughs) you know, and all that. I think that's the Sirius XM host league that we're in together. Yes. Yeah. That, that one's on sleeper. Um, I'm hanging around in that league, but it's, uh, I, I don't think I had as successful of a, an afternoon as you did. Uh, this could have been worse by the way, in the first half, uh, Lamar Jackson lost a fumble, uh, like right on the edge of the red zone around the 20 yeah. yard line. Uh, Ravens were at least getting three points on that drive. They had over two minutes left on the clock. So it was 28, nothing at the break could have been 31 or 35 pretty easily. Uh, I, I am with you as far as the lions, you know, they, they have a perfect bounce back spot at home next week against the Raiders. Uh, I think they'll get back on track. And, and like you said, you kind of, you know, in these situations, maybe you drop the best game and you drop the worst game and, and you kind of look at the rest of the sample. And I, I think this will probably go down as their worst game of the season all around. Uh, you know, on the, the Ravens side, two touchdowns for Mark Andrews. Uh, we saw, saw more Odell Beckham, saw more Rashad Bateman in this mm-hmm. game that we had in previous weeks. Odell Beckham making some plays. He goes five for 49, Bateman uh, just two for 36. But uh, positive momentum in terms of the snap counts for both of those guys. They each outsnapped Nelson Aguilar, a uh, momentous achievement, uh, but that had not been the case for the last few weeks. Yep. Although Aguilar scored still. So just to be a fly yeah. in the ointment there. Touchdown machine, Nelson Aguilar. Running game. It was a Gus Edwards day and not a Justice Hill day. It had been the opposite lately. So of course, thanks for letting us bank on that guys. Uh, appreciate that. Lion side, they, <laughs> Campbell left his starters all the way into the end of the fourth quarter. So Jameer Gibbs get yeah. his, he got his touchdown on a 21 yard run, 11 for 68. Also caught nine for 58 more. Jared Goff ended up throwing for 284 through 53 times, got sacked five times. Uh, they just couldn't get out of their own way. And they, they missed on fourth down a few times as well. One interception that was pretty bad. Uh, he did not lose three fumbles. So that we broke a trend yeah, there. Huge. Yeah, huge if true. Uh, but I, and Amon Ross St. Brown got his. Laporta kind of got his. But uh, I just think this is a gigantic write-off game if you're the Lions. Yep. Yeah, I think we can move on. Last thing I will say was it was a, a total zero for Jamison Williams, you know, who piqued some people's attention last week by by hauling in that touchdown, played 33 snaps, uh, the same number as someone named Antoine Green. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know who that is. Uh, that's not a great sign for Jamison Williams. Was targeted six times, uh, but you know, was unable to to bring in any of those. So I think we... Which also know, explains we'll, his lower snap count later on, huh? Yeah, right. Well, I, I, we're, we're still just very much in like, you know, extreme boomer bust territory with Jamison Williams. Like if, if you're starting him, it feels like he needs a 50 yard touchdown or you're at risk of a week like this anytime. Exactly right. Uh, Ravens now five and two in pretty good shape, but they had won that Pittsburgh game. Oh boy. They would have had three division wins all on the road. Um, and, you know, they, they'd be sitting pretty good. The entire AFC North either won or in the case of the Bengals were on by. 
tough week to, for a Bengals fan to watch all of that go by, but so be it. Um, I'm in Los Angeles, and fortunately, I do have the Sunday ticket. I do have the Red Zone package on on YouTube on uh, the YouTube Red Zone and Sunday ticket package. But if I were relegated to local coverage, my one game was going to be Bills and Pats, and I'm like, because you know the Chargers and Rams were playing in the afternoon window right. at the same time. So both of those turns out it was a great game. It was a very entertaining game. The Pats had their best game of the year. Bills, not so much. Uh, big upset here with the Pats holding, you know, at home, finding a way. I, I, I thought they were going to find uh, find a way to uh, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, but they they rallied, had the great the game winning drive. Not even a game tying drive, but a game winning drive. Mac Jones looked like a real NFL quarterback. It's pretty wild to see. It really was, and yeah, you know, I, I was just shocked at how New England was able to move the ball consistently throughout this game. Uh, you know, you, you, we can talk about how Buffalo played in a moment. And, you know, there's the, the, the bad interception on, I, I think their first play from scrimmage on the second drive that, that kind of set the wheels in motion for what was just a, a bizarre and frustrating afternoon for the bills. But I, I thought the defense is really what let them down. I mean, New England has not been able mm -hmm. to consistently move the ball on anybody this season. And, yep. you know, it was, it was, it's not like they piled up a ton of yards necessarily. Um, but you know, some of the big plays that had not been there, uh, for the Patriots, you know, th those were consistently hitting, you know, Ramondre Stevenson, Farrell Brown, Kendrick Bourne, all those guys had catches of 20 plus yards. New England has struggled to generate anything like that down the field. Uh, and th the pass didn't even run the ball all that well, right? I think no. we knew that would be, that would be the situation. And you're thinking, all right, we got to make Mac Jones beat you. And if you're Buffalo, you'll take that just about every day of the week, but Mac Jones, 25 of 30 for 272 and two scores, you know, led that great drive at the end. Like you said, uh, that ended with a touchdown in the back of the end zone. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that this really, you know, it's, it's galvanizing in some ways. If you're in new England, I, I don't think this really like reshapes their season. I, I think they're still going to be in, in pretty big trouble going forward, but um, you know, that they're, they're at Miami next week. After that, they get the commanders, Colts, giants, chargers in four straight games. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if they, if they can carry over anything from this week, I think they could be a little bit more competitive uh, at the very least in those games. But um, I mean, what is your, what is your level of alarm now? With the Buffalo Bills, uh, you're just looking really bad uh, against inferior teams in two straight games. Well, the thing is, you know, you expect their defense to struggle some. They lost some huge, huge players: Tre'Davious White, Matt Milano, uh, Von Miller. I mean, that you take away those three, yeah, and they're, they're not generating the sacks that they were in the past. That's mm -hmm. that's a concern, especially against this Pat's offensive line. That's not very good. That Matt has had Mac Jones running for his life. Uh, they they got one sack and five incompletions out of Mac Jones. That, the sacks that's the craziest stat from this whole game is that they only sacked mac jones one time he is he is yep. extremely sackable and this new this new england offensive line is extremely sack prone um yep. and that was that was kind of the difference right is you know mac we, we know mac jones is not like a horrible quarterback he, he's not he's not like one of these bottom five guys in terms of talent like he's shown it before uh but when you're completely when you're consistently under siege like he had been the previous six weeks it's hard to succeed when you're able to sit back and you know and actually you know see the field make throws we know Mac Jones could do that, and you know that, that's pretty much what we saw transpire yesterday. Yep, thought that the Bills were going to pull it off with their two fourth quarter touchdowns. They, I mean, they they looked yeah. great in the fourth quarter, but they looked very ordinary offensively for three quarters. Uh, in the first half, they were t just straight up terrible. Yeah, uh, you know, three points by halftime, and with their defense being very mid, their offense has to be elite, and it wasn't elite. Uh, Josh Allen six and a half yards per attempt. Keep in mind, he's he's dealing with a bad shoulder. And I think that kind of limits him in making some of the throws, especially downfield. Gabe Davis did yeah. nothing yesterday. Um, you know, Dalton Kincaid 
that's one takeaway is he's starting to emerge more over Dawson Knox. Dawson yep. Knox, I mean, he had a touchdown called back, uh, yep. but he, he otherwise he struggled a little bit. And I think I just think Kincaid's a better player. And they they finally started giving him more targets. Yeah, Dawson Knox still did win the snap battle uh, in terms of routes run. It was pretty comparable, but eight targets compared to three for Dawson Knox, uh, eight for Kincaid. So I, I think he's. He's the tight end that I want in that offense. He actually led the Bills in both catches and yards over Stephon Diggs, uh, who had 12 targets on Sunday. Uh, the other thing with Josh Allen, just wasn't really a threat on the ground. Uh, you know, looked looked a, a little bit kind of kind of squirrely in the pocket. You know, usually he's pretty good at, at you know, kind of knowing when to get out, when to use his legs. Uh, seven carries for 17 yards. Uh, did, didn't really get loose at all. His longest carry of the day uh, was a seven-yarder. Did run in a touchdown. Uh, to, to help salvage an okay fantasy day for Josh Allen. But yep. uh, yeah, this is just two straight you know stinkers by the Buffalo Bills. And uh, they, they get the Buccaneers at home this week. That That's a Thursday night game. Uh, so quick chance to bounce back for Buffalo. After that, at your Cincinnati Bengals uh, in week nine. So we'll be circling that one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, all right. Uh, let's move on to the next game. But first, quick note from our, uh, you know, we are on the Blue Wire Network. We always like to uh, play their ads at this point. Here they go. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's move on. Uh, you know, still with this early slate of games, this was a was a wild, fantastic finish. There's another close game. I wouldn't call it wild, fantastic, or fun, but oh no, Giants and the Commanders, fourteen seven. Commanders had their chances multiple times in the red zone, including that that fatal sequence at the end. Giants win fourteen to seven on this one here. Uh, Sam Howell was just terrible in this game. Yes, he was. He was my uh, he was my quarterback at DFS on, on DraftKings yesterday. Uh, so nice. somehow ended up winning a I, I won a contest, uh, just a, a private contest with some of my friends, despite getting like nine points out of Sam Howell. But like on paper, I, I like the spot. You know, we, we've talked about uh, how Washington. You know, I, I think they should be a heavier run team, and they, they kind of get in these modes where they'll they'll drop back and throw it like fifteen times in a row with Sam Howell, and you know he did not look good. You know, attempted forty two passes, completed only twenty two, didn't did not throw a touchdown. Uh, got to 250 yards, but uh, I mean, this was a, a just brutal day for the commander's offense. Uh, Chris Rodriguez ended up as the leading rusher with 31 yards, seven carries for 31, carried seven times on just nine snaps. So that's something to keep a, a minor eye on. I, I still wouldn't really be targeting Chris Rodriguez by any means, but when he was out there, he was touching the football. Awful, awful day. You know, if, if you were starting Brian Robinson, yep. Sam Howell was sacked six times by this Giants defensive line that feels like it's starting to wake up. Over the last couple of weeks, nice breakout week for Darren Waller. He goes seven for 98 and a touchdown on eight targets. Jalen Hyatt, uh, the, their second-round rookie out of Tennessee, he showed some things. But really, this was about the commanders just being totally toothless on offense. Like the, these were their This was their drives for the game, Jeff. Punt, 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 interception, punt, 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 touchdown, punt, punt, <laughs> blocked 27-yard field goal, oh, and then they no. went out on downs to end this game on a 17-play drive. Yeah, just awful. Here's your basic commander's play. Hal takes a snap in the shotgun, runs backwards to the right. Yes. Either gets sacked or throws throws it away. Or maybe McLaurin makes a miracle catch. Um, You know, and and McLaurin's still awesome. Six for 90 in this one on nine targets. Um, Poor Jahan Dotson. Oh, I know it wasn't a good throw, but you got to catch that. You got to catch that. I had that in my notes, too. I, I was actually... I, I thought the broadcast kind of bailed him out and they were just they oh, were they all were over it, on man. the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, man, that's just a bad throw by Howell. And it's like, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a perfect throw, but uh you're a first round pick, John Dotson. Like you're you're being paid to make that catch. Like I, I I'm not saying it was an easy catch. I'm not saying every receiver in the league would make it, but in that spot, that was that was not that bad of a throw. That's one that you got to bring down that would have extended the drive and, and set the Washington up with a pretty good chance to punch that in at the mm-hmm. end. So yeah, I, I thought that was more of a drop than a bad throw uh by Jahan Dotson. Uh, you know, we should mention that you know, Washington was gifted a, a red zone fumble by Saquon Barkley. This one probably could have been put away earlier had that yes. not been the case. Uh, fumbled around the 10 yard line. But yeah, the, the Dotson drop really did them in. And, you know, we, we joke about Sam Howell running around and throwing the ball away. <laughs> he threw the ball away on 12% of his dropbacks in this game. Like that is that is an extremely high number. 12%. Yeah. And sacked six other times. Yeah. Um, so just, yeah, I, 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 I know Dan Graziano on ESPN was calling for uh, a court QB change. 
Should it, should yeah. we be looking at Jacoby Brissett? Well, it, it it kind of depends what your goal is to me. If you're Washington, you're three and four. You've lost four out of five, and you know two of those losses have come to the Bears and to the Giants in just horrendous fashion. When you've you've mustered 27 total points across those two games, you got the Eagles next week. That game is at home. They they have played the Eagles fairly well over the last couple of weeks, so I don't think we can totally write that one off. But if your goal is to try to win eight or nine games and sneak in as the last wild card spot, then yeah, I, I think I would consider going to Jacoby Brissett. If your goal is to try to develop Sam Howell and come out of the season knowing one way or the other, if he's your guy or not, then I think you have to stick with him. Yeah, I think we said it during the XM broadcast last week, Sirius XM broadcast last week. I like the commanders as an underdog a lot more than I like them as a favorite. Um, they're the, I, I and, and if you use them up in survivor and got through, God bless you, because that's just that's one you just whew, don't have to worry about them anymore. Uh, you know, Circa goes 20 periods. So, I mean, th- you're going to have to start using I'm going to have to start using some gnarly teams. I've been team chalk so far. Uh, at it's some point, the chalk is not going to be available. Yeah, it's working out for you so far. I mean, yeah, I went out in in, in week three. Um, I, I think it was because of the Jaguars, you know, that no show against the Texans. But oh, you know, yeah, it was. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've, I've kind of repressed that memory. But no, the, Jags, the Jags are rolling now, man. They're a completely different team. Um, yeah. yeah, we, we should mention, too, I, I don't think this is anything too serious at all. Uh, but Saquon Barkley, you know, did look like he hurt his elbow, his arm. Yes. Uh, in the second half, uh, you know, the early indications after the game is that he'll be all right. I don't think they expect him to miss time, but it is Saquon Barkley. He has a history. Uh, Got to keep an eye on that ahead of next week's game against the New York Jets. Indeed. All right. So only six games on the early slate uh, with six teams on by. Go figure. But it was nice. The, the balance was nice. Six and four. So like there's always something going on with the afternoon games, too, which is nice. Uh, let's talk about Steelers Rams because the Rams Another hundred people in Circa Survivor took the Rams over the Steelers, uh, and I thank them for their service. But uh, the Steelers look, you know, alternately good and terrible. Uh, Rams had a chance. I thought the key point in this game was Rams are up seventeen to ten. Puka Nakua was just tearing the Steelers Ooh. apart, uh, just crushing them. Uh, they line up, they get stalled out on a drive though, and Brett Maher for the second time this uh, in the game badly. Missed a field goal. Not like he just, he didn't just like barely missed it. He missed it badly. Uh, I know it was like a 50 yarder, but come on, this is the NFL. I mean, we saw, uh, you know, we didn't even mention in the Cleveland wrap up about Hopkins nailing three 50 yarders. Um, this is a controlled environment, right. good place to kick. And he just missed badly on that. I think this is the not the first time he's struggled in a game. I think you're going to see the Rams looking, uh, looking to sign a new kicker. Yeah, I mean, you, you could say, oh, he missed two, and well, they, you know, even if you make them, you still would have lost by one. But those were both like big momentum swings. You know, they, they yep. both resulted in points for the Steelers on their ensuing drive. So those, those were big, big swings. And um, you know, the, the Rams to me felt like the better team for most of the afternoon. And you know, having a chance to go up two scores on a Steelers offense uh, that you don't really trust to come back from a ten point deficit, which at that point uh, would have been you know, just about into the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, I, I think you're feeling good if you're the Rams. And then, of course, you know, Pittsburgh puts together a, a quick touchdown drive. After that, it's a 17-7 game. Rams, just a really ugly three and out. You, you got to get something going there. You, you got to move the ball a little bit. Um, and they, they played it pretty conservatively, I thought. They went run, run, and then an incomplete pass on third down. Um, you know, Rams defense felt like it faded as the game went along. You know, they, they allow a quick touchdown drive to begin the second half for Pittsburgh, forced a punt, and then two consecutive touchdown drives, and, and then a 10-play drive 
to end up running out the clock. I mean, after after the Rams punted, which I think was the right call, uh, you know, based on where they were on the field, I think they mm-hmm. were at like the 40, uh, their own 40. You put there with five and a half minutes left. You feel pretty good about getting a stop. But, uh, you know, Pittsburgh converted a, a couple of first downs. Scott, I, I thought the, the benefit of some questionable calls uh, at the end of the game. I, I, I thought yeah. I thought Kenny Pickett was absolutely stuffed. Yeah, uh, like that was that was about as much of a no doubter as it gets in that situation. And you know, the confluence of the Rams not having timeouts—it was before the two-minute warning. They couldn't challenge. I, I think had they been able to challenge that, they win that. Um, but you know, it, it was so strange because like the initial indication was that it, it, he was very short, right? Like I, I thought that was like closer almost to a yard and a half. You've yeah. seen it from the side angle. His knee, his knee went down. Pickett's knee went down almost instantly, and it was to me very clear. And then they they get this generous spot. They bring out the chains. Got the first down by like two inches. Uh, that was questionable at best. Uh, and then you know there was a I think it was earlier in that drive on a third and eight, uh, a pretty questionable pass interference call. Uh, I believe it was on was it a Kella Witherspoon? Uh, yeah. Where you know if what you, if you can call it a fifty fifty, that's fine. To me, that was that was one where you see the flag maybe like ten or twenty percent of the time. Yeah, it's and I you know it was suggested after the game, and I forget if it was by Scott Hansen or if it was by the studio folks suggesting that okay, on fourth down plays like that, those should be automatic reviews. That shouldn't be subject to a challenge, uh, because it's a change of possession thing uh, possibility here. Uh, I, I think so, but then again, I mean, I mean, you use your t- challenges, you use your timeouts, and McVeigh was out of timeouts. That's why they couldn't yeah. challenge that one. Um, because then if you fail on your challenge had no, had that play happened immediately after the two minute warning, instead of immediately before, right. It does get automatically reviewed. Um, so that's, that's one of the fluky things. It was like two fourteen left. They were able yeah. to run it to uh, the two minute warning and then just snap it three times and game over. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Terrible finish to an, okay. It was an interesting game. Nakua looked great. Cooper cup had his first dud in a long time. Yeah. Uh, I think the Steelers just fo- said, okay, we're going to make everybody that's not named Cooper Cup beat us. Daryl Henderson got the surprise start at running back uh, instead. So that was that, that was putting some people on tilt that spent on Zach Evans. But the tea leaves had already been uh, read that it wasn't going to be Evans. Yep. To the extent that it wasn't Evans was super frustrating. He, he didn't even get a chance. He didn't get a carry. They didn't even get a snap on the yeah. afternoon. And we've, we've seen this from the Rams even before the running back injuries. Like they, they play a very condensed depth chart you know they're, they're, they're not one of those teams that is you know yeah. dipping into like fifth six receivers you know they're their fourth tight end i mean they they kind of stick with their like you know eight to ten skill position players and those guys play essentially the entire game and and that's what we saw i mean henderson 39 snaps royce freeman played 29 uh henderson certainly the guy yeah. uh, to, to, to have here for for fantasy he got the touchdown but freeman actually had more yardage on fewer carries five and a half yards per carry for rice freeman so yeah i think if you're if you're holding on to zach evans anywhere you could cut bait there uh, on the Pittsburgh side of things, you know, nice day for George Pickens. He had a couple big plays, five for 107. You know, Najee Harris erupted for 53 yards on 14 carries. Uh, he had a touchdown as well. Uh, good looking run there. Jalen Warren also got in the end zone. Uh, yeah. Then we saw Deontay Johnson back from IR, uh, you know, activated earlier this week. Looked pretty good to me. Five catches on six targets for 79 yards. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it does add an element to this offense. And the timing of him coming in because coming back was huge with Fryermuth getting a setback and going on IR. It's just, they needed that additional target. Um, again, Warren was more efficient than Harris, but Harris did his job. I mean, Warren, Warren is always going to have some better numbers. Cause he comes in usually after, you know, the, the opposing team has been beat up a little bit by this running game. It's, so he kind of comes in fresh and looks good. Uh, mm-hmm. But 
someone was t- uh, trying to get me to rank Warren over Harris this past week. Uh, I'm glad I resisted, but I mean, they're both viable players. They both, both got yeah. scores. Uh, Stafford should have had two touchdown passes. Uh, Henderson's second, uh, you know, Henderson got the touchdown run only after a reception, getting all the way down to like the two inch line. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was one of those frustrating plays. If you have Stafford who was good early, but had a bad interception to start the second awesome. half. And then late, the, the Steelers pass rush was getting to him and he couldn't, he just couldn't connect like he was earlier. Puka Nakua was running free and uh, free and clear the whole game. And then later on, they, the, the Steelers just dialed up that pass rush and Stafford couldn't find any time to find him open. Yeah. That pick was a huge momentum swing because the Rams scored with about 15 seconds left in the first half. So you got a chance to double up, getting the ball back. Uh, you, you have dreams of, of going up what would have been 16 to three, if you're able to get a touchdown there. And that's, you know, a lot to ask a lot to assume, but you know, instant first play of the second half, you know, throws that pick to TJ Watt. And of course, at that point, you know, the Steelers were set up on, on what, like the, the seven yard line of the Rams. So, you know, mm-hmm. not only are you just forfeiting a possession instantly, but you're just handing a touchdown to the Steelers. And, and that's you know kind of what it felt like set off some momentum for this Pittsburgh offense in the second half. Yep. Um, heck of a play by Watt on that too, by the way, especially yeah. for a guy dealing with a hand injury. Yeah. Um, Puka was, was great. That toe, that toe tap along the sideline was ridiculous. Uh, that was nuts. I mean, yeah. like just that, like when they showed like the angle that his foot was at, I'm like, how did, how is his foot like not damaged, you know, from, from the way it came down? I mean, he's, right? he's incredible, man. I, I think anybody who, you know, the first couple games of the year, you're thinking, all right, you know, maybe this is somewhat of a fluke. Where'd this guy come from? No Cooper cup. Um, but man, he looked, he looked fantastic. And, uh, I, I still think, you know, there's not, I, it's not like he, you know, he had a great game at the expense of Cooper cup. I think Pittsburgh just did a good job uh, limiting cup. We had, had a couple catches early, but uh, was pretty much invisible in the second half. Yeah. I had like seven targets, I think, but yeah. yeah, it just, you couldn't not too many memorable ones. I think he may have had a couple of receptions called back due to penalty too. Uh, but I imagine the crowd uh, watching the game at Circa went nuts over that Puka catch. Uh, just a reminder that we are sponsored by the friends at Circa Sportsbook. Uh, get ready for the ultimate big game parties at Circa Resort and Casino. Super Sunday is in Las Vegas this year. Watch the big game poolside at Stadium Swim's big game viewing party. Massive scream, booming game sound, and a view of p- the pyrotechnic and visual effects throughout the game. Snag the best seat in the sun with daybeds, poolside boxes, cabanas, and more. Or touchdown at the world's largest sports book, Circa Sports for the Big Game Bash. Three stories of football glory featuring a 78 million pixel screen. Book your seat with a variety of reservation options, including bottle service, open bar, stadium-style food, and more. Don't miss these legendary viewing experiences on February, February 11th. The Big Game Parties, only at Circa Resort and Casino. Reserve at CircaLasVegas.com. Big thanks to Circa, as always. You can attest to the awesomeness of the pool and the sports book. Oh boy, we sure can. I uh, I cannot wait until the next time we get out to Circa. Hopefully, hopefully that'll be sometime during the NFL playoffs. But uh, if not, you know, we got the annual trip in July, and yeah, we you know, we do a lot of reads on these pods. We've we've done reads for it feels like every website out there, every random product you could think of. Uh, but this is this is a true endorsement. I, I think we'd be talking about Circa on this pod whether they sponsor it or not. Exactly, exactly. Had Andy Barons on, and he's like, oh. I don't listen to sponsor ads usually, but that sounds fun. Um, so I love it there. Um, Survivor. I survived with Seattle. We alluded to this earlier here. They were the chalky pick over 60% rostered on uh, the circus survivor contest. Uh, a spokesman for VEASAN said that when they, they do the reveal on Saturday night and they said it was the largest percentage ever in the history of that wow. contest. Like it was like 60.3, I think. 
uh, just a slew of people using them. I couldn't avoid the chalk because I couldn't find the pivot I liked, and thank God. Um, and it wasn't like they rolled. I mean, this, this was a, a close. The game was 20 to 10, but it was not comfortable the whole way through. Not at all. And, you know, Seattle was was in control and certainly looked like the better team. But when you got Geno Smith turning it over on back-to-back possessions, when you're looking yeah. to go up two scores in the second half, I mean, it was the second straight week with just these mind-numbing plays uh, from Geno. Threw a pick at the goal line, fumbled uh, on the ensuing drive after Seattle forced a punt. So this, you know, this is, again, a game that Seattle controlled, but it was it was by no means comfortable. And, you know, the, the, uh, the Cardinals missed a field goal, a short field goal. Uh, mm-hmm. Early in the fourth quarter, that, that would have tightened things up a little bit. Seattle punted after that, got a big stop, uh, you know, a couple big stops really on on Arizona's final two drives of the game. And uh, if you were somebody who had Seattle minus seven or seven and a half, uh, you're thankful that Jason Myers put through a 48 yard field goal with 217 remaining. So we we thank him, the ex Jag, uh, for bailing us out in the circuit contest. But um, yeah, I, I thought this would be a bigger smash spot for Seattle. You know, I thought they actually played pretty well outside of some some you know kind of boneheaded plays in the red zone last week. Yep. against Cincinnati, but it felt like some of that carried over. Uh, and certainly, you know, missing DK Metcalf, that, that was a, a big absence, uh, not something that I personally had anticipated. You know, we've talked a lot about him being questionable pretty much every week and pushing through it, but they they rule him out. And if nothing else, Jeff, that that cleared the way for Jackson Smith and Jigba to be much more involved in this game than he'd been in the previous five. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I, I think that, uh, I, I you know, he got his production early. Still four for 63, like last week is four for 58. Yep. Still want to do a little bit more. Uh, there's nowhere that Tyler Lockett did very little in this game, yeah. but this was maddening. You talked about the two red zone turnovers, they also had a, a field goal in the third quarter where they got all the way to one and they couldn't, they yep. ran into the pile twice, it didn't work. They then they do play action on third down. You got to do play action when people are actually expecting you to run. I mean, just do it on first or second down. That that resulted yep. in a loss. Uh, actually, uh, a completion for a loss there. So, you know, just, and then he said, you know, the inside the five field goals are just the worst. I actually was going to yell at them to go for it, but then I remembered like they can't, they can't convert in the red zone. So it's like, okay, right. I guess we'll take the points. But at that point in time, too, I mean, it, it was only uh, 14 10 Seattle and the yeah. field goal made it 17 10, but like, ah, ugh, gross. Seattle also had a, uh, there was a weird sequence in the second quarter. This one where they picked off uh, Dobbs in the end zone, but a penalty overturned it. But then in the ensuing scrum, like there was a like pushback between the two teams and an offensive lineman shoved like an official and got Uh ejected. Like that's going to screw them. And they get first and goal from the 25. And then Dobbs runs in, breaks a couple of tackles on just like one of the worst tackling plays I've ever seen. Um, It's like, oh, this is this is where I lose survivor because of crap like this. Yeah. Well, it would have been a pick by uh, the rookie, Devon Weatherspoon, uh, yep. who's having a fantastic year. That would have just added to his resume. Uh, just, yeah, really, really bizarre play. I believe it was a, a roughing the passer, I think, was the initial penalty yep. uh, on on Seattle. Um, you know, there's some unnecessary roughness in there. You know, just Humphreys, the offensive lineman, you end up getting kicked out of the game. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Arizona able to come out with a score there. You know, frustrated game, like you said, for, for Tyler Lockett, who goes four for 38. And it, it did feel like, based on how Smith and Jigba started this game, you know, find it wide open for a – a 28-yard touchdown early on, you felt like, all right, this could be the big breakout with no Metcalf. Seattle went very ground-heavy, very, very ground-heavy, especially in the second half. 26 mm-hmm. carries for Kenneth Walker uh, for 105 yards. So it wasn't wasn't an overly efficient day. You know, wasn't ripping off. Uh, I think he really only had one one long run on the day for 25 yards. Uh, but but if, if nothing else, I mean, he got almost all the volume. He was out there uh, for for 47 of 59 total snaps 
uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. Of course, no uh, Zach Charbonnet, who was out with that hamstring injury. Exactly. Arizona, they put everybody on tilt again last week. Amari DeMicardo had three touches yesterday. All, he got all but one of the running back touches. Yep. Uh, 13 carries for 58. He was on the field for like 95% of the time. Damian Williams got one run. Keontae Ingram, last week's starter, didn't even get a single touch. Um, so yep. Arizona's just messing with us. Uh, they, they, they have fight, and Gannon's a good coach, I think, but they're screwing us there too. Uh, but I think the interesting issue for Arizona is not what happened on the field. It's uh, Kyler Murray. Uh, that He's designated to return, practicing, getting first-team snaps now. They're saying in week 10, he's going to come back. Are you going to go after him? You know, I, I think there's a few leagues where it's worth throwing a bid in. I, I still remain kind of skeptical as to why the, the Cardinals would do this. Um, you know, I, 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 I guess if Kyler Murray wants to play and, and he's your franchise quarterback and you want to kind of hammer that home, then, and you know, go for it. That, that's your prerogative. But, you know, they're, they're, in my opinion, likely to still be a one-win team at that point. And I, I don't know what you're, what you're really trying to salvage. You know, obviously, Kyler Murray... Uh, gives you a higher floor and a higher ceiling than Josh Dobbs does. Uh, maybe maybe they think it won't really affect wins and losses. Um, but uh, yeah, kind of kind of strange to me. Um, you know, I guess if you're Arizona and you just you kind of want to build this internal momentum, you know, like I said, kind of a show of faith that that Kyler Murray is still our guy, even though we might end up with a top three pick and and you know have a chance to draft someone else at this position. Uh, I, I think if, if I'm Kyler Murray, I, I want to come back. I want to I want to you know kind of earn my job right and, and yep. stay in stay in position here. And look, he's he's got a long-term deal. So it's not like, you know, trading him would, would be this you know, super easy process. They can't just dump him. Um, but I, I'm, I'm curious to see what it looks like. I mean, Arizona, they're still, you know, they're, it feels like they're falling off and the defense, you know, started to show some cracks. They've lost four in a row now. Uh, you know, they, they gave up 25 plus in their previous three games. And they do play the Baltimore Ravens this week. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but they're, they're still really frisky. You know, like I, I don't think Kyler Murray's walking back into this like disaster scenario that we thought it might be. Yeah, I still don't like his targets that much. Uh, you know, Hollywood Brown's undersized. We've talked about him in the past. Uh, we'll see. I think uh, Trey McBride is starting to get a little bit more work. He he strikes me as a little interesting. Let's move on to the next game. Uh, yeah. Chargers and Chiefs. At halftime, this game was 24-17. Overbetters everywhere rejoicing. Seven second-half points later, they're all crying. I mean, it is crazy. The Chiefs defense just dialed it up in this one. Yeah, they, they really did. And it was a really fun first half, kind of the first half that we hoped we would get, where it was just, you know, quick touchdown, quick touchdown the other way. Uh, at one point, there were four consecutive touchdown drives. Uh, that was that was when it was 17-17, uh, you know, midway through the second quarter. Uh, we saw Mahomes, you know, throw a pick, kind of an arm punt uh, on a third down. Didn't really end up hurting the Chiefs. You know, Chargers mm -hmm. punted on their ensuing drive and then, uh, Kansas City able to get that that one yard touchdown just before halftime to go up by a score. You know, they they come out and you know they fumble after putting together a nice drive, kind of leaving the door back open for LA to to tie this game. And then and we saw Justin Herbert uh, throw a pick that was uh, you know, intended for Donald Parham, I believe. It was Legarius Sneed on the interception. After that, I mean the Chargers didn't really threaten. You know they they went three yeah. and out on three straight drives, and the Kansas City defense kind of won them the game. Five sacks of Herbert, two interceptions. Uh, just, they, they just really kind of took care of uh business there, uh, defensively. And I think this is the hidden story about the chiefs right now. It's their defense. That's carrying them. I know wild to say that after a game where Mahomes threw for four twenty four and Kelsey went uh, 12 for one seventy nine, but their defense has been really solid. I mean, that Thursday night game against the Broncos was ugly, 
I think you're going to see a better offensive result for the Chiefs next week when they face the Broncos again in the comeback game. But still, um, it, it's this is a you know a year Jaguars game for instance. There, um, it was the Chiefs defense that made the difference. Uh, it really was, and I think when you look back, man, that that's one that Jacksonville probably feels like it should have won. I think they felt it at the time, and the way they've played since, they they probably are, are smarting about it even more. But uh, if you just look at EPA, I mean, Chiefs are fourth in pass defense EPA. They're they're seventh overall in defensive EPA. Still actually behind the Jags uh, on the year, but uh, I, I think I would I would take KC straight up in that matchup. Uh, they are third, or actually tied for second, I should say, in pressure rate on the season. They they are blitzing at a pretty decent clip, and we saw that quite a bit yesterday. Uh, but everything's really clicking uh, for this defense and certainly frustrated Justin Herbert. Uh, not a great performance for him. He finished just 17 of 30. Uh, kind of a disaster game for Austin Eckler. One yeah. catch for one yard. That's really what you're depending on here, especially against right. the Chiefs. 14 carries. That's great. You'll take that volume. But only 45 yards. Had no play uh, that went for further than six yards for Austin Eckler, either on the ground or uh, through the air. Uh, Josh Kelly did rip off a, a long rushing touchdown in the first half, but that was about it. You take that away, and, and the Chargers couldn't really get anything on the ground. Where was this in all the games that Eckler missed, though? Like, nobody had Josh Kelly active this yeah. week. Well, they might not. That's not true. They might have because of bye weeks, because there were six teams on bye. But come on, yeah. everybody had Kelly active for a stretch, and just fart noise. I mean, that, that Minnesota game was just, you thought, okay, great setup, and nothing. Got stuffed on fourth down, got stuffed at the goal line. Now, of course, he's converting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's no way to predict that. And, you know, I mean, it's just, uh, of course, he's the one that rips off the long run and not Eckler. Right. Um, Yeah. I mean, Gerald Everett, uh, other just kind of news and notes here before we move on, he he got hurt in the second half, did catch a touchdown. So if if you, if you started him in fantasy, you got your return there, but uh, was, you did not play uh, for much of the second half. We saw a lot of Parham, a lot of stone smart. uh, That is smart with two T's. He played 30 snaps. Uh, Rasheed Rice, Seven targets. Uh, that that was second on the team behind only Travis Kelsey, who had a monster day, twelve for one seventy nine, and that one yard touchdown. And uh, it, it felt like we had our first like real MBS appearance of the season. He caught yep. a long touchdown, which that yep. is what MBS does. Yeah, well, and it's funny. Uh, I had in one of my Metcalf leagues, MBS was my only pivot available to me. It's a very deep league. Yeah. I'm like, it's one of the greatest all time pivots because you know you're expecting nothing from him, yeah. but he gets his one 46 yard touch and like, yep, we're good. And he got two other catches too, so yeah, yeah bonus there. Um, it's like, could have had nothing. Instead, I got MVS and I got something. And you know that 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 always feels good. You feel like you're stealing when that happens. Yeah, no question. I mean, if, I think you're you'll take anything in the double digits. You know, feels like a, a huge bonus. I mean, if MVS gave you five points, you'd probably be, be you know sitting okay with that. Um, but like you said, three for eighty four with that forty six yarder. Um, then Rasheed Rice, you also got in the end zone. Not a great day for Pacheco. I, I had him going in DFS. I thought this would be a pretty good spot for him. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Chargers have actually been pretty decent against the run. You know, that's been a, a huge liability for them over the last few years. They've they've shored that up a bit. Thirteen carries for thirty two yards for Pacheco. Uh, did catch a touchdown uh, in the second half, though, four for 28 through the air for him. So uh, all in all, an okay day. Yeah. Um, The Broncos held on for dear life to beat the Packers. Is that enough to prevent the sell-off? I hope not. I don't don't think Denver should read too far into this because Green Bay, man, uh, they they might be a bottom three team in the NFL. I mean, this was... This is brutal. Uh, you know, Green Bay coming off of the bye, getting Aaron Jones back. You know, you, you kind of figured that would change things for this offense. Um, yeah, Denver played on Thursday night, so maybe maybe the bye wasn't like as big of an advantage as it normally is. But the offense looked about the same to me. You know, they're, they're still struggling to, to generate anything 
down the field. Uh, their longest play in this game was a, a catch and run by A.J. Dillon late in the fourth quarter. That is a terrible sign. If A.J. Dillon is ever responsible for your longest play, you're almost never going to win that yeah. game. Uh, you know, they were still – they're pretty careful, I thought, with Aaron Jones. And I'll be interested to see you know, if there's any indication that he was still you know, a little bit banged up, like was not in there at all in the final drive of the game when Green Bay actually, you know, put put a little bit of a scare into Denver before Jordan Love threw a terrible interception to end the game. But uh, 35 snaps for Dylan, 24 for Aaron Jones. Uh, Dylan also, you know, doubled Jones up in terms of carries, 15 for Dylan. He, he looked okay. Uh, I think by A.J. Dillon standards, he had a pretty decent day. Mm-hmm. I thought Jones looked like himself when he was out there, that the usage just was not there. Felt like they were easing him back into action. But we are – we're close to panic mode on Jordan Love, man. I mean, this was this was another really discouraging day. Uh, made a couple couple nice plays on the ground. You kind of forget that he has that in his arsenal. But even even the second touchdown pass that he had, you know, not a good throw. Just kind of folded one in there. I believe it was off the hands of Dobbs, a little bit behind him, catchable ball, but th- you know, thrown too hard in that scenario, and it ends right. up ricocheting, you know, into the hands of a, of an outstretched Jaden Reed. So Packers got really lucky on that. Yeah, I, I was watching that one there, and the, the broadcasters did a good job of pointing out that there was a guy in his passing lane, so he did this hitch, and then he kind yeah. of panicked and chucked it harder as a yeah. result because he wanted to get there before the window of him being open closed. Uh, I mean, again, professional receiver Dubs probably could have done better with that, but he was lucky that Reed was right there. Uh, Christian Watson, even before he got hurt at the very end, you know, it was a disappointing day for him. Three for 27. I actually, I actually used love and Watson in DFS mm. uh, and Musgrave actually, because the, the Broncos are a tight end funnel. Musgrave was actually having a pretty good day, but then he got, yeah. he got cold cocked uh, along the sideline there and he's already had one concussion. So I knew that was kind of yeah. bad news there. So Watson and Musgrave will be watching their status as well this week. Yeah, Watson especially. Uh, we haven't really gotten a, a great indication quite yet. I mean, that looked like it, it could be, you know, some sort of ligament injury. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's like torn ACL or anything, but I mean, he was he was in pain. You know, he yep. did, did a good job to, to kind of get his way off the field late. Um, but you know, I think Green Bay still actually ended up having to burn a time out there. Uh, but you could tell, I mean, he was laboring just to get to the sideline and pretty much collapsed as soon as he got there. Uh, so I would be I would be pretty surprised based on how that looked if Christian Watson is out there on Sunday against Minnesota. Certainly yep. something that could be a multi-week injury for you know a player who's already missed three games with a hamstring and missed you know part of part of last season uh, with some hamstring injuries early on. So it's you know too early to say it's it's feeling like a lost year for Christian Watson. But man, for somebody who a lot of people were talking themselves into, especially later in draft season, you know it felt like he kept climbing and climbing up ADP. Uh, it's been rough. It's been really rough. And I think anytime you play the Broncos and you struggle offensively, which by the way, this is two straight weeks uh, that the Broncos have allowed 19 and 17 points. So the the defense is making some strides, certainly playing the Packers helps. Uh, But if if you can't move the ball against Denver, I I don't know who you can do it against. And, you know, Green Bay also struggled against the Raiders. I mean, those are two of, in my opinion, the five worst teams in the NFL. I think Green Bay is in that category now. I'll be very interested to see, you know, how they bounce back at home if possible uh, against the Minnesota Vikings. But, um, you know, three weeks into the year, like they had that come from behind win over the Saints. And I remember thinking like, ah, look at their schedule coming up. You know, they got Raiders, Broncos, Vikings, Rams, Steelers, Chargers. Like, you know, there, there's a path here to this team being like, you know, six and three uh, right. midway through the year. And man, I mean, everything has just taken a, a complete turn. Jordan Love, it's just hard to have confidence in him right now. Like that last interception, like his his deep balls, man, have been brutal. Uh, I think it was Rob oh. Domofsky had a stat uh, after the game that, you know, on the year, uh, Jordan Love is now six of 27 on throws of 20 or more air yards. Uh, he's 0 of three yesterday in those situations. Has three picks on the year uh, when going downfield. I mean, that, that 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 last interception was 
That was throwing, what, 10, 15 yards short? Just never had a chance. Kind of like the, the Monday night game against the Raiders where if he gets enough air on that throw in the end zone, it, it could have been a touchdown. Instead, it yeah. was well underthrown and didn't have much of a chance there. So, yeah. yeah. Well, the other thing is you're targeting Samari Toure in that situation. Again, this is not the time either. It's a got to have it third down and you're, you're chucking it up and you know, it, it ended up being double coverage. It shouldn't have been. You know, if the throw is where it needs to be, Toure did – he had a step. I wouldn't say he was really wide open. I mean, it was going to have to be a, a really nicely placed throw, which of course it was not by Jordan Love. Um, you know, and, and again, Watson had gone out of the game at that point. It's not like yeah. the Packers have this, be- this bevy of weapons to choose from, but True. Uh, I, I think that's pretty emblematic of where this offense is at right now. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, all right. That leaves us with the Sunday night game. Um, Philly really, you know, kind of made a statement here in this game, I felt like. Yeah, you know, we, we talked all week uh, on the XM show about uh, you know, this being a big opportunity for the Dolphins to, uh, in some ways, avenge what happened against Buffalo, you know, prove that, all right, we're not just beating up on, on mediocre to bad teams, and we could, we could do this against the elites. This felt to me a lot like the Buffalo game, right, where the, the, yeah. the team that, you know, was, was more effective running the ball, more effective controlling the clock, more effective putting together long drives, keeping the Dolphins offense off the field, uh, those teams are going to give Miami trouble, and and that's exactly what Philly did. They, I thought they executed pretty much a perfect game plan, despite a couple of turnovers that kept this one a little bit more interesting than maybe it yeah. should have been. Uh, you know, thirty almost thirty seven minutes of possession for the Eagles. Uh, they ran twenty more plays. You know, they racked up over a hundred more yards. They had fourteen more first downs, despite not even being all that good on third down. Uh, they were four of twelve on third downs, but four of four on fourth downs. We saw the tush push a couple of times. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, Philly played pretty well. Again, you take away the, uh, the sack fumble early on and, and then the, the, the interception by Jalen Hurts and, you know, tip ball, kind of a weird play, uh, just landed you know, right into the hands of, uh, of Jerome Baker, who was able to run that one back. Um, you know, it, it was to me more of a blowout, uh, than the final score would indicate. Yeah. Jerome Baker, touchdown maker. Uh, but anybody named Baker is automatically gets that, uh, moniker. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Miami didn't didn't run the ball very well, which not a surprise. I mean, it's the yeah. Eagles. I mean, they didn't they didn't try to run it that much. I guess in part because they were behind so much too. Most are only nine carries for forty five, uh, only one catch. So you know you've been riding the gravy train for most all season long. You're due you were due for a bit of a yeah. stinker. Uh, Jalen Waddle was in and out of this game. I I watched the injury reports and practice this week pretty closely on him. Uh, obviously Jalen Hurts got banged up too with that knee. He, he was pretty limping pretty badly after mm-hmm. the game. So that's also something to watch for there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he got a, Hurts got another rushing touchdown. I think that's 32 in his career already. Crazy. Uh, it's just nuts. Um, and Philly had a bunch of defensive injuries and they still did this. Of course, Miami's got a bunch of O-line injuries. So I guess that was yeah. a bit of a trade-off there. Yeah, got to two or three times uh, for sacks. He never felt like he really settled in. And, you know, his interception I thought was pretty bad too. Just kind of mm-hmm. hung the ball up there. It was actually, it was very Jordan Love-esque, uh, the, the way that, you know, he kind of just put a little too much air under that. And mm-hmm. I believe it was Darius Slay. He was able to swoop in for a nice interception. Uh, you know, Miami had a couple of things go against them. You know, they had a touchdown taken off the board early. It uh, would have been a, a score for Tyree Kill. That was nullified by a holding call yep. uh, on a third down. Ended up having to settle for a field goal on that drive. Uh, you know, I, I think they were they were looking for some PIs late in the game. There was certainly one that probably could have been called a, a face mask in the process. Um, so maybe a, a little bit of a you know kind of home cooking advantage for the for the Eagles in terms of the referees. But I don't think that that really decided the game. Um, you know, it's interesting because you know it felt like Philly was running the ball pretty well. The 
they were under three yards per carry, you know, Deandre Swift, like when, when, you know, he had a couple like highlight plays and some really nice cuts was, was carving up the Dolphins defense, but it was not, was not an overly efficient day. I thought the Eagles, it, it was one of those days where they kind of got exactly as many yards as they needed, but they weren't, they weren't really ripping off big plays. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, uh, you know, I, I think this is, you know, teams are starting to adjust a little bit. And of course you can adjust when you're the Eagles too. I mean, it, it's, I think that's one of the takeaways here is like, okay, uh, you know, you have the personnel to stop that. That's one thing. It's not necessarily like uh, that you have necessarily the way to get it done. Okay. Well, it's just like the tush push. Yeah. It, it's an unstoppable play. If you got Jason Kelsey and Jalen hurts. Yeah, exactly. I mean, no, uh, people are still talking. Like there were some dolphins writers talking about like, Oh, I can't wait till this is banned next year. Like uh, we'll see, man. I, it's, it's an advantage because of the personnel the Eagles have. Like you can do it too. Everybody else could do it. If you have the right guys, I think I, I have no problem with it. I, I actually, I like it. I, I like that it's kind of become a thing for the Eagles and they they've embraced it and teams know it's coming and it works anyway. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's really impressive. Yeah. I, 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 and I mean, I think Brett Coleman did some film work on it there and he was saying like, well, Hey, they have a technique that's different than everybody else. They yeah. work at it. Yeah. You can't just say, Oh, it's, and why can't, you know, can't, can't weigh that way. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just don't think it's, it's a quarterback sneak. You can't ban the play. I mean, I don't know. I just, I'd be upset if they do. Um, yeah. Well, you also have a 230 pound quarterback who squats like 600 pounds. Like that's, that is a big part of this. Like you can, I I think what what upsets people is that, you know, it's the, you know, the pushing and the pulling from like running backs and stuff like that. And I I guess I get that to some extent, but I, I I still think this is like 80% Jalen Hurts just being stronger and, you know, more determined and lower to the ground than most quarterbacks are willing to, to, to to get right. And And having an all pro center um, to go behind. Right. Yeah, exactly. I I don't, I, I firmly on team. It does not have to be banned. Uh, we should mention AJ Brown, who is fantastic. Had a couple, you know, yep. just monster catches. I mean, he is. I, I think he's firmly, you know, in the, the the top five conversation. Which you know, there's so many good receivers right now. You're always going to be leaving somebody out. But he's he's got to be in that mix for me. Ten for one thirty seven and a touchdown. Big day for Dallas Goddard as well. He continues uh, to to kind of put that that really slow start to the season behind him. Five for seventy seven and a score. He was getting off early in this game. Uh, Devontae Smith, okay, four for forty nine. Uh, and Tyreek Hill, just you know, despite that touchdown coming off the board, 11 for 88 uh, on the season, Jeff, he is now up to 26.7 fantasy points per game in PPR leagues. That is, that's like six points more than last season. Yeah. That's just, they, they're so dialed in that touchdown was such a dime, cool. such a perfect throw, perfect route, just ran right under it there. Oh, it was, it was, it was a thing of beauty. Um, and that's just the sort of thing. It's just, that's football. It's fun to see that there, but, uh, uh, I, I just, I, I just love that. Uh, both teams. Oh, so, I, oh, I want to, want to ask you. So Devonte Smith four for 49 represents a good day for him. Yeah, Only exactly. five targets. So, I mean, who are you more worried about rest of season Devonte Smith or T Higgins? Ooh, that's, that's a very good question because, you know, in, in a lot of drafts, you're maybe choosing between those guys. Right. I, mean, I think they're, they're kind of, they're kind of like right on the same level for me. Like they are, you know, two of the, absolute best number two receivers in the NFL. But I mean, it's been, it's been disastrous for both. And Smith is still, you know, he's wide receiver 28 on the year. Uh, that's of course, without the, the Monday night game. And, you know, some teams have been on by, he is not. So on a per game basis, he ranks a little bit lower. Like he's, he's been, you know, per game wise, he's been comparable to like Calvin Ridley. He's actually been a little bit better than that. Uh, averaging mm-hmm. about 0.8 fantasy points more. <sighs> I, I, I'm really, I'm kind of, I'm kind of equal, right? Like I would have a tough time saying I'm more worried about one over the other. Like I, I, I I think maybe a little bit more Devonte Smith just because you know he's he's been healthy and Jalen Hurts has been healthy 
Whereas I, I think you can make more excuses for T Higgins. You could say he's been banged up. He's had some bad uncharacteristic drops. You know, he's played basically half of this early part of the season with Joe Burrow looking nothing like himself. Uh, right. So if you, if you project out and say, okay, the, you know, coming out of the bye, I think the Bengals will start to look more like the old Bengals. Then there's probably more upside with T Higgins. I think you're probably right about that. Plus, I mean, Philly is, is a more of a running team than the Bengals are. You, you, you know, you get all those goal line carries for Hertz, uh, and just all, all that. Whereas the Bengals don't really do that very often. Right. And, and they have got Goddard. The Bengals have Irv Smith. I mean, I think that's the other thing too. Yeah. Well, and you know, the Eagles are just a, they're a running team first and foremost. Like they have two great receivers, but they're ultimately a team that wants to run the ball and, you know, huge marquee game like this against, you know, maybe the best offense in the NFL. And, you know, they, they ran the ball 34 times. They threw it 31 times. Like, I, I think that's, that's kind of their preferred split. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Uh, we had an earlier question in the chat about Calvin Ridley, and I know we, we don't really break down the Thursday game anymore. It's a shame yeah. because it's your team, but uh, right. let's talk a little Ridley, though. Level of concern with Ridley? <sighs> Pretty concerned. Um, he just, to me, he just doesn't really look the part of a true number one. Um, you know, yeah, had the, had the big game early on, and, you know, he had one other, you know, big splash game against Buffalo in London, but I mean, didn't even have a single target in the first half against new Orleans. And then, you know, they, it felt like they kind of forced it his way a couple of times just to get him involved yeah. in the second half, but it never, it never felt organic. And again, it's hard to fault the Jaguars. It's kind of the same thing we were talking about with, with the Falcons, right. And, and Ritter, it's like, well, if you keep winning and you don't really need him to catch 10 right. balls for 130 yards every week, uh, like Christian Kirk is like a borderline top 10 receiver on the season all of a sudden. And you know, Evan awesome is, on the touchdown. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, what, what a call by Al Michaels, by the way, I don't know if you were watching with sound, oh. at that point, but that was I like he confused He's, me. I'm like, wait, was that not a touchdown? Oh, I guess they're calling it a touchdown. It's like, oh, and Kirk oh, appears to think now. he scored there. I'm like, yeah, the guy who ran into the end zone with like plenty of room and it was clearly not out of bounds. Yeah, that was that was strange. That was one of the worst like you know huge play you know momentum swing calls you're gonna see. Um, and you know, I mean, this is a Jags offense too now. That is, they are you know, they kind of run through Travis Etienne. And yep. in my opinion, that's a good thing. I mean, Etienne has been amazing. He's up to RB three on the year in PPR. It's been it's been very heavily touchdown dependent. So we, we need to keep that in mind. He's already got more touchdowns this year than he did all of last season. Uh, you know, the yardage totals have been pretty bad. The per carry average has been pretty bad the last few weeks, but he's, if he continues to score one to two touchdowns every week, he's going to be fine. Um, I, I think Ridley is the guy that's going to have, you know, once every three or four weeks, you know, he'll have like a, a 25 fantasy point game. I, I don't think the depths are going to be as low as they were on Thursday night, but agree uh, he's, he's just not quite at that level where he like can't be taken out of the game. You know, I think Marshawn Lattimore and the saints, basically took him out of the game plan uh, yeah. on Thursday night. And, you know, there, there are some receivers who you could say are quote unquote matchup proof. And I just don't know if he's on that level. I'd agree. Would you trade Amari Cooper for Ridley ASS? I in the chat said I would, I didn't really get a chance to say why, but I, I trust Trevor Lawrence more than I do uh, the Cleveland yeah. uh, quarterback situation. I, I will say one negative is that Cleveland's already had their buy and Jacksonville has not. So you get one less game. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, man. I, I think I think I would go Ridley as well. I, I think Cooper's the better player. It's like I, I think I'd rather have him on the Jaguars as my team that I root for. Um, but I, yeah, like you said, I, I think I'd, I want the situation. Like we don't know what's going on with Watson. I mean, this, right. we, we could be this could be three more weeks before he's back. I have no idea. You know, season before he's, he's right. Yeah. Well, he's also just looked bad. He's looked terrible. I mean, he's had like one game where he's looked somewhat like his old self. Um, you know, somebody somebody posted like Deshaun Watson Texans highlights. Uh, it was it was in the context of like here's a reminder of how good this guy was. And it was like 10 straight minutes of Watson just making insane plays. It's like, he just does not, it doesn't look like that guy at all anymore at mm -hmm. all. Like he, he just, I, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's coming back. Um, so yeah, I, I want the situation with the Jags. I mean, this is the team that scored 31, 37, 25 
Uh, they have another 30 point game, you know, on their ledger in week one against the Colts. Like they are, they're going to put up points. And that was, that was in a Saints game where they, they muffed a punt and, you know, Christian Kirk fumbled on what likely would have been another scoring drive. Like they, they haven't even played all that well. And it feels like against, especially against like average opponents, like the Colts and the Saints, I mean, they, they could just effortlessly put up 30 points. Yeah, they could. They very well could. Uh, Ricky asked, should I drop Jamal Williams for Cam Akers? No, I don't think so. I think Williams has a better chance of having value the rest of the way. I mean, need, it, we're dumpster diving here, but I prefer yeah. Williams the rest of the way. Yeah, it was pretty concerning. I mean, we'll see what Cam Akers does tonight against the Niners. It's not uh, a great spot whatsoever for him, but uh, you know, he's played 14, 19, and then nine snaps the last three weeks. So it's not like you're fired up to, to be holding on to Jamal Williams, but I, I would rather have him than Akers. Yeah. Dylan uh, has a chances to win question for us mm. here. Down 2.9 and a full point PPR. Opponent has Madison and Niners. He has Ayuk. What are the what are his chances to win? So that's Niners defense, I assume. Yeah. Oh, Other boy. opponent has Madison and my, Niners defense and yeah. 2.92 points. Oh, well, I mean that that defense might outscore Alexander Madison. I mean that would be my my bigger concern. But um, yeah. I think you want the Ayuk side here. Uh, we'll, we'll give you like a sixty eight percent chance to win. I mean Ayuk, I, I think is projected for like sixteen seventeen points tonight, and uh, with no Debo, I, I think has a pretty good chance to get there. Dallas asked. Dallas Tidmore asked. Need a QB. What are your thoughts on Eckler, Olave, and Watson for Jonathan Taylor? That's Christian Watson, by the mm-hmm. way. Uh, for Jonathan Taylor, Thielen, and Goff. So he his acquired quarterback would be Goff in this situation they've given up Eckler and Olave that that's yeah I I wouldn't I wouldn't want to do that I mean if if you're that in need of a quarterback I guess you know I mean I, I still I'd still like Jared Goff this week aside I think you know that'll that'll end up looking like an outlier um you know like Watson to me is I'm not really worried about giving him up and I, I do think Jonathan Taylor's value should increase I I guess to me it comes down to like do you think what Adam Thiel has done so far is sustainable Right. If you do, then then I'm okay making that deal. If you think that there's going to be a fall off at some point, I think you might regret giving up who could be the two best players in this deal in Ecker and Olave. I I'd agree with you on that one there. Um, Isaac says, would you trade C.J. Stroud for either Down Josh Downs or Jordan Addison? Uh, I mean, if if Stroud is expendable and you're not starting in most weeks, if you have like a another you know top eight or nine quarterback, then sure, I would I'd rather have Jordan Addison if that's the question. Yeah, I think so too. I think I would trade Stroud for Addison. Yeah. Um, I, I think that would be okay. Um, KJ says, I have Herbert as my only QB. Should I pick up Kyler Murray as a backup or just have one QB in roster depth instead? I think I'll answer this. I think, yeah, if you, if Murray's still hovering out there, it's cost-free to pick him up. I, unless you're like got big bye week problems in the future with your running backs, I, I'd go ahead and take the take the stash. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, unless unless you're holding some really high value running backs, you know, there's probably somebody you could drop. Um, I, I yeah, I, I say pick them up. I don't, I don't see why not. Um, you know, chances are you're you, you have an injury to one of those guys, or a week or two from now you'll feel differently about him anyway. Uh, so yeah, if you if, if you feel like you can you could part with the roster spot, I think there's no real harm in, in picking up and holding Kyler Murray, especially if you think that someone else in your league might might do it by by this time next week. Indeed. Randy asked, do you think Gibbs will be a solid running back to the rest of the season? Oh man, I solid is, is a relative term here. I, I think it partially depends on, on David Montgomery status and right. how much time he misses. Right. Uh, they, they play Monday this week. So an extra day for him to get back uh, against the Raiders. Then they're on by after that. So that's something to keep in mind in the short term. 
I, I mean, my, I, I certainly hope he can. I, I think you know, we were talking about him as being maybe a, a lower-end RB1 or a mid-level RB1 not that long ago. So I, I think if we've adjusted our expectations and you know, based on what we saw this past week, he's, he's got the skills, he's got the pass catching. If you're in a PPR league where he should be, he should be a, a, a at least startable RB2, I think. But uh, the question is when Montgomery comes back, does he go from playing you know 55 snaps to down to 28, 29 snaps? And history would suggest yes. So he's going to need to start, I guess, doing more with, with fewer snaps because I, I do think when Montgomery's back, like this is, this is kind of how they want to operate. Yeah, I think he's an RB3, but in today's game, an RB3 is still pretty valuable because there's a lot of running back problems all over the place there. Um, all right, that's going to wrap up today's pod. Thanks to everybody who was in the live stream asking questions. Thanks for you. Download the podcast wherever you get them and l- listen to us. Thanks to Circa for uh, our sponsorship. Please make sure to catch Nick and I uh, tomorrow or tonight and throughout the week on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio. And hit that subscribe button so you can get all of our podcasts, including Jake and Joe with free agents tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Take care. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.